there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hi, and welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, where we get together on a regular basis to remind ourselves of the importance of saying yes to spirit and to notice how our lives work when we say yes to spirit. And the show is hosted by Tracy and Leslie, and we are so glad that you joined us today. So our theme for the day, every week we have a theme, and our theme for today is Your Emotional Bank, and um, we'll get into that and what it means and how we use it and how we could use it. But before we do that, we always start with connecting the dots from our previous theme or topic and today's theme or topic. So our most recent theme was happy, joyous, and free. And whenever you hear our very favorite special uh, Connect the Dots theme, you know that it's time Connect the Dots. So Leslie... What's the connection between happy, joyous, and free and your emotional thing? I do love it when it's a simple connection that makes it easy for my favorite part of the of the beginning of the show. You know, the emotional bank to me is such a powerful metaphor of bank in terms of what I put in is what is there. And when I'm putting in things that are happy, joyous, and free, and at the end of last week's show we talked about the mantra, I am happy, I am joyous, I am free. And I use that, strangely enough, this week I started actually doing some physical activity, which is really kind of, I don't know if you felt the earth move, but anyway, when I was out walking or quote-unquote what I call running, which is really just bouncing up and down walking, but um, I was saying I am happy, I am joyous, I am free, and I was aware of how it was literally like putting money into a piggy bank. Every time I said I am happy, it was like dropping a quarter into this into this vacuum. And, and I was very aware, interestingly enough, of how hollow and empty my, my emotional bank was, which is a whole topic for today. But, you know, really the I am happy, I am joyous, I am free is a literal way to fill up that emotional bank. If I'm focusing on those three things, then that's what I'm putting in. And I'm certain to have... Um, begin to have a storage of of good in my bank. I love that connection. It's a great connection. <laughs> Thank you for that affirmation, Tracy Brown. I I love that affirmation. <laughs> and since last week your intention was to make up for what you thought was a weak <laughs> connected dots, I think you have more than redeemed yourself. <laughs> And I feel good. You know, I was thinking that, actually, when we started, I thought, oh, this is so much easier than last week. Thank you, universe. <laughs> I can have success. I'll All right. Take it. So I'll take it. We'll, we're going to take a one-minute break and hang with us. We'll be right back with today's theme, Your Emotional Bank, on Say Yes to Spirit.
comments or questions, 347-850-1523. Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. So glad you joined us. And this week our theme is Your Emotional Bank. It's our 153rd show. (laughs) One, five, three. And I don't know what the significance of that is. I just felt like I wanted to say that. Uh, Maybe if you're listening for the first time and it sounds like we're we have no idea what we're doing. Maybe I wanted to say that to let you know that we absolutely know that we don't know what we're doing. And that is part of the design of it. And that is part of the charm of this show. You get live radio. And you know, it's such an interesting idea too that there is there there is no way to kind of plan ahead for Spirituality we can look at, and I think it fits nicely with today's topic. Isn't that lovely that my thought fit with today's topic? I think that's lovely. But um, I was talking to someone. I do some work in the Dallas County Women's Jail, and there's obviously one of the things that they deal with is their sentence and what's going to happen. And, you know, they're in the county, so they haven't gone and, and been officially sentenced. And our program, they're in the meantime between the time they get arrested and can't bond out um, and they don't know what's happening to them in terms of if they're going to go to prison or if they're going to get court-appointed treatment, they're going to go to prison, how long they're going to go. And so much of the emotional work that they do is in acceptance of the unknown initially and then the system is such that there's a process where you'll go in and then you'll get like three or four different options and you really don't know what's going to happen and to go in that second time in front of the judge. So a woman this last week had gone in and she had two options. One was a, a treatment center that's more of a mental health kind of treatment center that the, uh, the county offers. And it's a nine-month program with a three-month aftercare transitional housing. Mm-hmm. And then there's another program that's a four-month program that's a chemical dependency program where kids can actually, their children can come live with them. And so she kind of had both of those on the table. And... In her mind, she went to the nine-month program with the three-month aftercare, and she had a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And she was unconsolable, is that the right word? Inconsolable. She was sobbing. She was hysterical because the idea of being away from her children for another year. And it, it took all of my little resources just to get her to look at me, to get her out of her emotion for a moment to say, Sally Sue, that's not happening. You know, that is not, you do not know that you're going to be away from your children for a year. You know you have two options. You don't know which one's happening. And I was so aware that it didn't matter what I was saying. In her mind, she had gone to, I'm away from my children for a year. So she was experiencing that grief. She was experiencing that emotional upheaval. And I, I was struck by how, we can go into, I can go into a story and I'm in that story and if I don't have something, there's no way that that spirit can uh, assist me because that's not really happening. There's no way I can have the resources or the emotional reserve or the spiritual um, energy to handle what is only a story. Well, it fits so much with what comes up it comes up a lot on mm-hmm. the show mm-hmm. that <clears throat> what we believe right, and what we are thinking about is what drives what's going on in our body and everything in our lives. So the voice of reason could be right in front of you, whispering in your ear or yelling in your face. <laughs> but what right. you believe it's happening in your mind, which means it happens in your body. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, she that's what she attached to. She had the emotional reaction as if it were happening right now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the test, or the not the test, the skill is for us who say yes to spirit to remind ourselves mm-hmm. or hear the reminder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's one of 
a number of infinite an infinite number of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And right now in this very present moment, I am fine. I am I am here. Right. And and the fact that really the solution can't be here. And I remember I had a moment in my life where I was going into the future of negative possibilities and I had this this sort of sense of I remember having the metaphor, you know, I'm ready for the Red Sea to part, God. Part the Red Sea. The Red Sea's there. It's rushing. I see the water. I could drown. This is bad. You're supposed to, you know, be helpful and useful. Why aren't you doing your part? And I got the clear message, came in and said, you have to get to the sea first, Leslie, before I can part it. it. And I was so like, oh, right, okay. And I, I was in such a profound moment because I was like living at the Red Sea when I was really, you know, 100 yards away. And actually, by the time life presented, away. <laughs> okay, it felt like ten feet. But there, <laughs> and uh, sure enough, as you know, by the time progressed, I never got anywhere near the Red Sea. That time, in my life, my sister intervened and helped me with some things. But you know, it's really a fascinating. You know, and I had that that that. I mean, it was a very clear. It came across as a as a as a very clear voice in my head. You're not at the Red Sea, Leslie. I can't do anything. And but how how often am I? trying to make plans for this thing. For, for all the bad things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the case of the woman at the jail, that's such a great example. I mean, in, that's so such a tangible example in her life, and your choices are limited or seem to be limited. Mm-hmm. And actually it's not even your choice. Not your choice, right. It's right. going to happen to you. So it's going to be a situation that you are put in. And to remember that every situation I'm put in is for my best and highest good. Right. It's a challenge. It's very, very hard. And the more emotional our attachment is, or our reaction um, is, then the harder it is sometimes to see how, to ask the other question, show me how this is for my best and highest good. I'm going to be separated from my children for a year. Show me how this is for my long-term mm-hmm. best and highest good, right. or for the best and highest good for my children because I want All. the best for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So we forget to ask the question or to open ourselves to the possibility of how is this good? The good must come of this, even though all I can see and all I can think of are the all the ways that this is crappy. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's interesting that you use that that phrase because I have, I think since that initial time, that was the most recent time that I really was in a panic, and that's probably two years ago now, I guess, a year ago. And since then, I've had that thought in my head of when something, when I'm going into the negative possibility of the Red Sea, I put in my mind the statement, if the Red Sea happens, then that must be for my highest good. That, I, that That's kind of a soothing mantra that even if this worst-case thing happens that I can't seem to get my mind out of, the really healthiest thing would be to take my mind out of that. I, yes, I understand that. But if I can't get my mind out of that, then I at least soothe it with, even if that happens, then it must be for my highest good because nothing is going to happen to me outside of what is my highest good. And my highest good, you know... There is a lot in the quilt of life that I don't see as it's happening. You know, it's that perspective of retrospective or looking for the higher higher vision that it, you see the pattern of the quilt making this beautiful pattern. And so to just accept, being open to accepting that this is absolutely adding to that color of the fabric, the beauty of my life's quilt, it's a really soothing, really soothing space. And now I've totally lost the idea of emotional bank, but I'm feeling okay with it because I think it's a good conversation, really. Well, <laughs> I can you, can you bring it back? I oh, okay, good, good, good. That would be useful. To the concept and the theme today of your emotional bank, because often what keeps us from looking for the good and claiming the good is whether our emotional bank is high or low, yes, <clears throat> and how emotionally connected we are to the outcome. So if, to use your 
your phrasing, you know, if I'm coming into a situation or I'm believing a situation is going to be my Red Sea and some miracle has to happen Mm -hmm. so the Red Sea will part and my life will be fine, usually it's, you know, that sense of panic comes because my emotional attachment to something is really, really high. Right. It could be just I'm emotionally, habitually emotionally attached to fear. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've got some some something important or something that's really scary that's happening. So if my emotional bank is depleted, then I'm going to go to my default, which is mm-hmm. usually, mm-hmm. which is often either fear or resignation or avoidance or <laughs> something like that. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I don't, I, they're not necessarily a direct relate, but I, relationship, but I see that, yeah, they're kind of related there. Um, and it's interesting, as you were talking, you know, this term emotional bank was said to me in my early 20s when I first started going to Al-Anon meetings. The first time I was, you know, exposed to that term, and the woman <clears throat> talked about it at a speaker meeting how she literally saw her daily readings. I think it was her daily readings and her meetings were the two things that she saw. That was her money into her emotional bank. And she said, as long as I keep those things going, then I have the reserve when my kids need something, she said, or when my, I think she actually had a practicing alcoholic husband that she was staying with by choice. And you know, she said, I have the reserve to be able to give the people around me that need things because I have my meetings and my daily readings. And she said, when I don't do those things, then my bank is depleted. And because of that, I've always had this kind of image of there's this space where I put in my positive spiritual practice and it grows and grows and grows. And if I don't put things in, then it's taking out, taking out, there'll be a period of time that it can become empty. Overdrawn. Right. 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 But as you were talking, I thought, you know, it's a possibility to be putting fear and anxiety and uncertainty into my emotional bank. It's really not and just... that's what you draw on. Yeah. See, I hadn't... Because of the original thinking of how that was introduced to my life, I'd never really thought of it. That's really, though, true that my emotional bank is full of whatever I'm putting in it. It's not some entity that holds just only the positive, but it is, it's a reflection of... Well, and it makes, yes, I, I mean, I at least I see it that way, too, because if I'm putting positive spiritual grounding into my emotional bank so that when I react with emotion, it's coming from that place of peace, love, balance, right. joy, harmony, you know, those, those are the deposits, mm-hmm. then no matter what happens, when I need to make a withdrawal because I'm responding or reacting to something, I can only withdraw what's there, right? And that's all that's there. So. And if all all I've been if I've been consistently putting in more mm-hmm. love, peace, joy, harmony, balance, <clears throat> and uh, you know when I dip my hand in to take a withdrawal, I'm gonna pull out what's there. Mm-hmm. Now you could also think about it the other way that yes. That's what you're depositing in so that you make your withdrawals from that. And every day you're making withdrawals and you could get to zero balance and then it could get to insufficient funds. Mm-hmm. Then the idea of that is, yeah, you know, every day when you're feeling that, that pain, resentment, anger, jealousy, any of those things, that it's a withdrawal. And so that's what then leaves you depleted. So I think... Uh, they're the same mm-hmm. thing. Yes, a little bit of a little bit. It's saying the same thing in a different way. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, if you're living your life, as I, there are some people I know who are, who, you know, every, what they are depositing into their bank are fear, anger, jealousy, resentment, criticism, judgment, you know, all, all they say about themselves and others. And what, you know, when they meet someone, they are looking at them, looking for what's wrong with them or what's phony about them or what's, you know, instead of looking to to see what is what good is in that mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go places, 
you know, go to lunch at a restaurant. The food is good, but there's always a but. You know, the food is good, but it was really noisy. Or the food was good, but last time it was better. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the food was good, but I really wish John had come with us. Hey, right. You know, there's always the but. It's like it can't just be good. There's always the criticism or the the lack, the, the awareness really the creation of lack because you can't see. And so I, I think of that as someone who's like that, that's what they are constantly depositing. So when they have a crisis or a situation and they reach their hand in for withdrawal, all they can withdraw is more fear, more anger, more jealousy, more envy, more resentment, mm-hmm. more sadness, more judgment. I wonder how the balance, how it works if I have a bank full of that and I start putting in a daily affirmation or I start putting in some meditation. My instinct tells me that the affirmation or the uh, daily meditation would, would be such a larger deposit that it would take up more space. So it wouldn't take a lot of daily meditation. I've always been surprised how once I get back into, which this week I've done a little bit of both. And, you know, I think it's really kind of interesting that I considered myself jogging and there was a speed walker that walked past me. But I'm okay with that, really. (laughs) (laughs) That bouncing, I think, is really important. But anyway, but I started doing some different things this week and I, I felt such a rush of goodness and it was such a larger rush of goodness than this this sort of hollowness that that has been my experience of like but you know so I was really I was encouraged I was encouraged that it doesn't take a lot of the good it's not one for one I mean that's what yeah we we teach in religious science and science of mind that that the (laughs) positive thought has more power when you use it, when you add it, that it will, you know, basically overpower. And it goes to what we've talked about several times before, too, about the 51%. Right. It's not like you have to have a one-to-one exchange mm-hmm. of, quote-unquote, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. That if, let's say, you, we turned all of those thoughts and deposits into $1 bills, and you had $100 in the quote-unquote negative, fearful, sad thoughts and mm-hmm. actions, you wouldn't have to have $100 in positive to, you know. That really is true. I think that's encouraging. I find that very encouraging. Do you find that encouraging? I find that encouraging. <laughs> you don't really have to speak. I'll just take off station myself. But yes, so that's good news, isn't it? That's good news that you don't have to have one for one. Yes, it is. However, for me, in my mind at least, the caveat is it's not that I I don't have to have one for one because the positive will, you know, trained thought is 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 more positive is more powerful than untrained thought. So the the positive must be consistent though. So I can't, like, just do a positive thought. Let's say I have this bank that's full of negative mm-hmm. thoughts, beliefs, fears, anger, blah, blah, blah. And then for one or two days, I do my affirmations, positive. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm doing positive stuff. All that other stuff doesn't matter. It's still the majority. It's still the default. Mm. And so it's consistent or daily deposits of the positives that will overcome the negative at a certain point. Mm. But it's not just, I only do it one or two times. It has to get to that point where it becomes my default. Mm-hmm. And it is my way. And actually, to to use you as an example. Oh, that's too easy. <laughs> really? Well, I'm, After yeah. 153 episodes, that's too easy. Yeah. Well, no, just because of what you said mm-hmm. a few minutes ago, that you, you said this week you've been 
doing some things that you hadn't been doing. Right. I mean, you were using yourself as an example. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so you have, in the past, had a bank that was... Overflowing, let's just say it. Yes, yes, right, right, yes. And so, but then when you stop the daily practice and when you stop doing them. Route, yes. You're so funny. But yeah, I mean, so what overcomes it is the daily practice and continuing to deposit what we want and who we want to be and what is the positive into the emotional bank. So as soon as we stop... We can draw on that for a while. Yes, it does have a, a sort of a, uh, what we call in medication, you know, it has kind of a after, you know, it, it's in your system even after it's gone for a while. And so, you know, you're living off of it, and then you actually are withdrawing mm-hmm. from that. But once you... Deplete your savings account. Once you get to zero balance, then you're, what's the foundation below it? Or it reverts to what you're depositing now. Mm-hmm. Right. The fear that I was, yeah. And then that's not permanent either because mm-hmm. you could decide, I'm going to walk and I'm going to do daily prayer meditation. <laughs> what an and idea. You could rebuild Gosh. your bank account just like you can rebuild your um, literal Oh, really? Does that work that way? Bank account. Oh, I'm not familiar with that concept. <laughs> You know, and there's a really interesting thing that I played with this week too, in terms of, um, and it's a, it's another one of my favorite ideas. Is the light is on or the light is off? It's light or it's dark. And I know the human experience, and people would like me to believe that it can be dim. That you, know, <laughs> that when I stub my toe, it must hurt. Um, that, but for me, the idea of the light is on, the light is on. Period end of end of end of sentence, and it's whether or not I am aware, awake, remembering that the light is on. And if I'm aware, awake, and remembering the light is on, then the light is on. Period end of story. And and the, and I love that I'm getting back to my black and white thinking because I think that's very that's <laughs> a good sign for me. But well, my black and white thinking that includes the light thinking that you know the light could be on all the time. I was kind of in black and dim thinking before but um the light is the switch is on and it's on it's on there is no switch there is well there is a switch very deep very true it's just on yes it is wow tracy you've come to my (laughs) side there you go that's it it is that's true that is it no (laughs) no no definitely not know that but that's there true. is no thank time you, thank because you. the light, oh, the capital yes. L light, is always on. Yes. So there is no side. There is no on and off. Oh, it's always that's on. That's right. That's now, right. I might be on or off. Right. I might light, be aware, awake, or remembering it. But the light yes. has no on-off switch. It is just on. On. Thank you. That's right. There you go. That's a reminder. That would make a really good it's just on. The light is always on. The light is always on. <laughs> like Tim Bodet, I leave the light on for you. Oh, Although, my gosh, yes. Although, I don't think that's their advertising campaign anymore, but it was for, what, 20 years? Oh, forever. I'll leave the light years. on, yeah. yeah. I'll leave the light on for you. And the light, and the light, even, even when I'm in the darkness, I can even reflect now and see how the light was still trying to get my attention. You know, the universe always saying positive things. And going back to my little Sally Sue in the jail, um, we're not allowed to touch uh, the women in jail. And so usually when someone's going into sort of that emotional spiral, I'll touch their their knees or something to kind of connect and kind of force that energy sense of, you know, come out of what you're doing. And so I couldn't touch her, because there's always cameras in the jail. Should we just say that out loud? They're always watching, which is kind of exciting for me. I like the idea. But um, <laughs> I couldn't touch her, so I had to use my voice to get her attention, because she was, you know, head in her lap, sobbing, not, she was gone to that space you go that we don't want anyone ever to go. And so I had to use my voice to draw her out, mm-hmm. and I was aware as I was doing it, 
I was aware this is the universe, A, working through me to get her out, but B, how often is the, you know, every, the universe is doing that to me all the time. Let's play, you know, and how much louder I had to get to over, come over the sobbing, come over the emotion, and to get her just to look up, to even have the opportunity yeah. to, to come back. Yeah. And then when she looked up, it took her a period of time to kind of organize her thinking and say, okay, right, you know, here I am. Okay, there's, I know these people, kind of. And so, but I was fascinated as it was happening. I was aware that, you know, the universe is doing that to me all the time. And, and whatever it is, it might be a, you know, a flat tire. It might be, you know, and sadly to me, it could be good things, sadly. You know, and I'll, you know, I have equal resistance to it sometimes. There's a whole phenomenon in that but the idea of you know i've got to first be looking up and be become aware look up look around there's light all around you <laughs> and let alone there's light inside of you but there's light all around you all you have to do is reach for it step into the light oh so um recently i was um speaking and um, it was at a Sunday's service, and so, you know, two services. Back to back. Two services, back to back. So Two performances, as we say, yes, right. And um, after the first service, someone came up to me being very helpful, and I'm very appreciative, and really. <laughs> if really, you're listening. <laughs> and made the comment, um, actually made a couple of comments first that were, you know, about what I had said and then offered a suggestion. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, a recommendation, I guess, is stronger than a suggestion. So it was a recommendation that as I had moved on the platform, I had moved out of the light. And while that wasn't a huge problem, during the first service, during the second service, it would create an issue because um, the second service was being videotaped. I see. And if you move out of the light, yes, there are two issues. One, the the frame of the video is in the light is kind of matched to the where the lights are set. Yes, and. Um, if you're listening for the first time, you may or may not have guessed that I'm African-American. And so to move out of the light into <laughs> the darker places. I didn't. Is it worse for a button? Well, the, that never entered my mind. That's funny. The camera wouldn't be able to pick you Oh, that's up crazy. you're darker. The skin is darker. Oh, that's crazy. And so literally, even where there's light, there is um, often a need for... I like to be a little brighter, right? So, um, which there's a side story they, around that. You know, when the did they say that slight as well? Digression. Well, slight digression. Since you're African American, they're going to really be. Did they say that as well or no? Actually, yes. <laughs> it was someone who who knows lighting and cameras and said, you know, because wow. your skin is darker, you wow. really do need to stay in the light. And, you know, we're not, most churches don't have, you know, it's not like they have professional, like, um, you know, theater. Spot that they're going to follow you. Theater level equipment. Right. Where it might not be quite as an issue, you know, especially from the video camera, that you have the highest quality lenses. Yes. And the light. (laughs) Right. Um, And so I I really appreciated it. Good. The reminder, because, like, in this conversation, Stay in the light. Stay in the light. You know, we have free will, and so we can walk out of the light, and we can say we're exploring light. That's a good metaphor. Right. That's When you said that, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's so true, because I even um, had the thought afterwards, after that, that day, about how often, how great a metaphor that was for life itself, to stay in the light. Yes. And so... The light doesn't move. The oh, light is always, always on. Right. But we have the ability to walk out of the light, That's to walk around metaphor. the light, mm-hmm. to walk down the steps, <laughs> and and look at the light, to move to the edge of the light, 
and decide whether to step in closer, more fully, or out. I'm like, wow, that is such a great line. Stay in the light. And did you find yourself, as the second service progressed, did you find yourself more aware of the light than you were the first service because it had been drawn to your attention that there was a space that the light existed? Were you more aware? Um, no, actually. I think once I made the, I set the intention mm. to stay in the light, I wasn't attracted to the places where it was Oh, dark. that's funny. That's cool. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like I'm, I wasn't, dis, it's not so much being dis, it's being distracted by what's in the dark, thinking I have more freedom. I mean, you know, I it wasn't conscious, but during the first service it was more like, I can move over here, and I can move. I have all this freedom. Right, right, right. You know, I can get closer to these people. I can get closer to these people on this side. I can step down off the platform Mm. and get closer. Mm -hmm. Well, in life, Mm -hmm. when I'm doing that and I'm stepping out of the light to get closer, who am I wanting to get closer to? Oh, there what you is go. it that they're doing that's drawing me away from the light? And you know, why am I making this choice? And why does it feel like I have more freedom? I'm exercising my freedom to walk wherever I want to walk. I mean, that's crazy, right? When we, when I know the light is here, I can see the light is here, and I can do everything I need to do in the light. Yeah, there you go. There's, you're like on fire with the metaphors today. That's a that is a really interesting metaphor because there is a draw, you know, like a moth to flame kind of thing. There is a draw to this old behavior, or these negative people, or this self destruction. My word for the week: self sabotage. There's a draw to that because it's familiar. There's something about that, and so you know, how do I consciously? You know, stay aware, awake, and remember. Those are my three words. Have you noticed? Have you used it twice? Yeah. Have you used it at least six times? Oh, have I? At least six times. Aware, awake, and remember. Well, then I'm done now. Then I just wanted to use it three times. But um, uh, that light is, has, and is all encompassing, and, and there's no, you know, there's no spot that God is not, is a famous science mind saying, isn't it? And I really acknowledging or, you know, really staying focused on that. And it's fascinating. Again, listening to the women at the jail, they'll talk about the process. The program where I work, they they sign up to come into. It's not court appointed. And so there's a journey where they come in and for whatever reason, they see it on the TV screen, there's advertisements about it, they hear about the program, so they sign up. So there's something within them that says, I want help because it's uh, spoken of as a program that helps women with trauma, trauma, any kind of trauma in their life or any kind of addiction. So in their minds, that has to trigger something that they say, oh, I have had trauma or, oh, I have an addiction. I want help. So they sign up. But then when they get to the pod, which is what we call where they live, there's this time of, oh, it's just like every other pod. Oh, it's, it's still jail. And so there's this period of time where their behavior doesn't really change or nothing really changes, and they have to kind of see the other women that have been in the pod longer and Mm -hmm. see their program working, and then they're kind of drawn into this, oh, that's what that looks like. That's what recovery can be, or that's what the language is. And so in, in a strange way, they're almost pulled. They, they First they sign up, so they have this impulse, so they do something different. But then once they've done that, it's almost like they're kind of stuck there for a minute. They don't really know what they're doing because they've never been there before, right? So then they look around and there's something that draws them say, oh, there's the way, here's the way. Mm-hmm. And then they start getting energized by their own actions changing. And so I kind of see that as, you know, anywhere part of that of that process, I can get stuck or stagnant, and and what am I being pulled towards? And I can always choose to be pulled towards, you know, the other new people that are kind of negative and staying in the gossip and staying. So it's 
you know, where is my energy going and, and understanding that my energy is always going in some direction and is it more and more light or is it going back towards and is my is my uh, emotional bank, see, look at me pulling us back to the topic, is my emotional bank, uh, you know, feeding me more positive or, or feeding me more negative? What am I listening to? I've stopped making sense now, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> there you go. I was making good sense there for a minute, but then somewhere along the way, not so much. Isn't that the way? <laughs> that is the yeah, way. There you go. We have a destination in mind, <laughs> and step by step, we have no idea where we are. Ooh. Ooh. Very exactly right. The story of life. The story of life. So um, on this topic, the emotional bank, your emotional bank, what we originally wrote on the on the show description page was what kind of deposits are you placing in your emotional bank, what are you withdrawing, or are you overdrawn? And I would imagine we could know the answer to those questions by the state of our life. Say more. Sadly. Um, you know, if I am in a happy, joyous, and free state of mind, if I have, you know, happy, joyous, and free people and places and things in my life, then my emotional bank is, is full. But if I'm fearful or if I'm nervous or if I'm in a state of lack or if I'm in a state of anxiety, then my emotional bank is not full of positive. And, and, and I guess that is the saddest kind of truth that science of mind <laughs> talks about. If you want to know what you've been planting and watering and nurturing in your mind, look around and see what you have in your external world. And the good news is if you want to change that, you know, immediately, as we said, it's not one for one. You can start depositing and start nurturing and start planting other things, and it absolutely will bear fruit. Yes. Good job, Tracy. I was hoping for a little bit more... <laughs> You had such good metaphors there for you. Metaphored out? Are you done? Are you just, that's all you have? Well, no, actually, you did trigger something, (laughs) and I was just debating about whether to go there or not. say it, say it, say it. Well, because I don't want to get distracted. Oh, I do. Oh, let's get distracted. (laughs) So just with where you ended around, you know, what you're planning and growing and blah, blah, blah. You can then plant something Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which I've done more than once today, so that's enough of that. (laughs) Um, and so you can plant something else, but when you think of your garden or a garden, uh-huh. it's, it's not only what you plant and water and nurture and fertilize, it's also what you weed out. Mm, right. And so, I yeah, that I was like, I don't want us to get distracted by the noticing the weeds. Mm-hmm. and pulling the weeds, mm-hmm. except to say that sometimes when we do that, but then we get so involved with the weeds mm-hmm. that we forget to water what we want, and our plants don't come up as healthy as they could. Because what we, what we believe from um, a philosophy point of view is, and a spiritual point of view, is that What's that kind of grass that when you water it more, it just, it then fills in all the spaces and it basically strangles and blocks out the weeds without using, using, you know, any chemicals Mm -hmm. or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's just hardy grass, yeah. That particular Mm -hmm. type of of grass. Um, And then the ground covers that do that too, that you plant them. And you purposely leave space from the plants because that the way that particular uh, plant or ground cover glows is that it expands itself and mm-hmm. it will soak out or block out any weeds, so you don't have to worry about that. And and that's what that's what, the metaphor I want. Yeah, I want to plant um, that. Right. That's mm-hmm. what I want to deposit in my emotional bank and my spiritual bank. That. Um, I'm so busy watering that that it grows mm-hmm. and fills in any of the blank spaces. And, you know, so often in prayer we say, 
<laughs> a phrase something like, um, I know this intention must must grow, and I release my attachment to anything that is unlike it. Mm. Or I release right. my attachment to anything that is not in alignment with this truth that I have just claimed. And that's the same concept, that I'm going to focus so much on, water so much, fertilize so much, this new thing that I am planting in my life, this new way of being, that anything that is not in alignment with that must, must just fade away, must disappear, will be overgrown by Mm -hmm. the good in my emotional bank, will be overgrown by the love in my emotional bank. And so I don't have to tend to rooting it out or weeding yes out, you know, once I've done the basic work. Yes. Because if I do, I'm putting my intention on what I don't want. You know, it was um, fascinating thinking about the emotional bank, going back to when I first heard about it when in my 20s. I can remember... There was a period of time in my life where my emotional bank was so full, and it was, and people used to think I was on drugs, and I thought that was funny, um, because I was always in such, like, hyperly positive. There was just nothing that could go wrong, because it just, it was all good. And it was as if anything that would possibly be negative or go wrong, it was kind of like, it would bounce off. I have this image of it would, like, hit this invisible energetic wall and be like, that's not right, and it would just bounce back away from me. It wouldn't come into me. There was no space. There was no room for anything negative because it was all this energetic good. What happened, Tracy Black? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know you. Where did that go? Exactly right. How did, how did I go so a, far away? It's like I've had four or five lives at <laughs> once. That would be an interesting yes, lesson. Right, right, know. right. Where did she go? But it, it, but there is a possibility of that. It, 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 the emotional bank is so full of the good that exactly as you said, I love that metaphor, that the, that the, there's no room for the weeds or there's no room for the negativity. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't go with the rest. This is not like the others. What is, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> this one doesn't like the other one. There's some game there, but anyway, yes, right, right, right. And she's got Tracy going. She can't even speak now, and I meant that in a very good way, just in case you're thinking I meant it in not a good way. <laughs> but it, it it does become apparent what 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 fits with what else is going on in our life, and I absolutely can claim, you know, the other side, sadly, as well. You know, I've spent some years, you know, living in that darkness, and that darkness, you know, can certainly become the thing that if some good comes in, it's like, ooh, this doesn't fit. Go away. You're too good. Light's too bright. Exactly. It's like I I live a life where there's pain and sorrow (laughs) and difficulty, and so get out of here. What are you thinking? Right. (laughs) Right. So, um... I love this, um, you know, we think so much of our emotions kind of being separate from our health, even though they are so intertwined. Mm, Um, And so on WebMD, with, you know, Better Information, Better Health is their tagline. They actually have, you know, most People think to go to WebMD when they're looking for symptoms and things I'm like sick, that. Right? What do I have? Oh my God, I'm dying. But they actually do have a section on relationships and health, and one of the articles in, under relationships is about keeping track of your emotional bank account. Oh, really? Yeah, and especially in the context of this article, happens to be in the context of relationships, like primary relationships with your spouse or partner or your children or whatever. But um, but, there, but one of the quotes that I like is, research relationship expert and researcher John Gottman has proposed the idea of an emotional bank account to help people think about, keep track of, and manage their happiness as a couple. 
So we've been talking about our own personal emotional bank account. Mm-hmm. But what about the what you know? What about the idea of in our relationships with others? Um, this article talks about it. You know, in a primary relationship in the family, and I've actually used the concept in businesses. When we're talking about leaders, yes, <coughs> leaders building relationships with the people they work with, whether oh, yeah. it's their staff, mm-hmm. or whether it's their peers, or even with their customers, mm-hmm. what are you putting into that bank account that builds the relationship you want to build? Right, and it's the exact same context or con- this exact same point because we think we make our decisions on facts and data. But, however, (laughs) I mean, think about it. In your primary family relationships, so often it's not about what actually happened. It's how you feel about what happened. Right. And how you interpret what did it mean. What did it mean that that person didn't call me by 5 o'clock? You know, when we make up the story. And so is there trust in that emotional bank? Is there love in that emotional bank? Or is there suspicion and skepticism and anger and resentment in that emotional bank, in that relationship? So, yeah, so the reminder that it is important what I have for myself in my relationship with myself and with God. Mm, I love that. And the exact thing thing occur, occurs and applies when we deal with our relationships with other people. And I think your example of using relationships in the workplace is really interesting because we are in relationships in the workplace, whether we, you know, acknowledge it or not, we are in relationship or we are in relation with everyone, the strangers in the seven eleven. And I just have to digress for one moment to understand how does one become a relationship expert. I don't know why. That just kind of stuck out to me. <laughs> and I want to I want to be married to him. I want to have a relationship. That's like too much pressure. But anyway, so, yes, we are constantly in relationship. And what are our relationships teaching us or telling us about our emotional bank? And, you know, that's our place to practice. Yes, unfortunately. Here's the good news. (laughs) Here's the bad news. Yeah, the same. Um... So we can take ourselves so far and then we learn what the other parts we need to learn as we look at our way of being in relationships right. with others, um, all different kinds of others. But, yeah, I just, I mean, that just really kind of captured me that, yeah, it really does not, we've been talking for, you know, 50 minutes about our own individual emotional bank that we use to nurture, sustain nurture and sustain ourselves as individuals. But I don't want us to, you know, go without also talking about it with others. So, and I'm depositing in those around me, and those around me are depositing in me, and, you know, the the choice of what I deposit in others and the choice of what I allow others to deposit in me is really powerful. And I... I like to use the the mental image of a mayonnaise jar over me. Yes. And the idea that there's, you know, sort of glass about a foot and a half outside of me, that things that come towards me, other people in my world, the energy, the thoughts, the the uh, suggestions stop at that glass about a foot away from me, and I get to look at it now and decide, do I want this inside my emotional bank? Because... People can deposit things that that aren't good for me, and I can make choices now to understand that that my bank is is my domain. They don't get to you know come in here unless I want them inside my glass. And that was a really powerful thing for me to understand and learn. Yeah, now you have me thinking about. Okay, so when someone deposits, when I deposit a check that I've received from someone else into my bank account. Right. But I didn't sign the check. I didn't endorse the check. Ah. The bank does not accept that check. 
Yeah, I like it. Look at another metaphor. Can I say my three things again? Remember, awake. But that's a great metaphor. Yeah, I mean, that's what you just said. Yes, but that's a great metaphor for it. When you have to accept it. Right. So my bang won't accept it unless I endorse it. Right. I love that. Oh, my goodness. It's my choice whether I sign that check or not. You know, there's a Sunday talk in there. <laughs> Stay in the light. Stay in the light. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's really good. And that's really very, very true. And, you know, people, I, I resist that. Boy, I want to be that person who other people just do things to. Oh, poor me. But that's just not true. Nothing happens to me outside of my approval. Yes. Wow. And I can present it to be the positive, but I didn't sign it. And the thing says no. And then, yeah. And even a deeper metaphor to that is that the ultimate bank, the ultimate life, always says no. And I'm operating over here like I signed it and like it's mine, but the ultimate life, that check will never go into the ultimate life. It doesn't, it's not like the others. <laughs> Right, it won't be accepted. It won't be accepted by universal right. mind. It won't be accepted right. by the bank that is. Right, the bank that is. This is just really, we just have to play this again and again. This is all the concepts all rolled up in one, the bank that is. And there's nothing that can go in there that is not light. And it's really, you know, ultimately too. There's, there's, There's no more light to be added. Ultimately, exactly. it it is all. There is nothing to be deposited because right. it is already is. Oh my gosh, that's it. Yes, it is already is. So am I awake, aware, and remembering it? Yeah, there you go. Now I feel better. I feel complete. I feel complete. One last time. So if you're listening to us for the first time, metaphor galore. This is yeah, it's good. <laughs> today, today, today. Um, your emotional bank. Anything else about that? Anything you want? We want to highlight around spiritual practices that help build our emotional bank, or that uh, keep us in line or in tune with our emotional bank. Anything? I mean, we always have the basics, right? Meditation and and the idea that that is the that's what feeds the emotional bank. If I'm going to take control, if I'm going to take control, and I I remember using. That word, I don't like that word, really, control is not necessarily a empowering word. Maybe it is. But I used that with Sally Sue in the jail that she had to control her mind, and that she could control her mind, and she was the only one that could control her mind, and that that was her job this week was to control her mind, not to allow her mind to go down that trail, and to put in her mind the other option and the positive option that she would be with her children. And so, you know, any spiritual practice is mindfulness of what's going on. Mind tending, mind tending, you know, tending to my mind. What if my and any spiritual practice is is, is depositing in that emotional bank. Right. So just choosing to do spiritual practice right. on a regular basis, you right. can choose whatever spiritual practice resonates with you. But the commitment yes. and the execution of yes. that intention, the follow through, right? Every day or every week or whatever your schedule is, every hour, every moment, right? <laughs> Praying without, right? You know. So, but the pattern of that over and over and over and over again is a direct link to your emotional bank and the deposits you are making. So uh, that's it for this week's show, Your Emotional Bank. So glad that you joined us, and uh, we hope that your um, life in the coming days is fabulous and that you continue to right fill up your emotional bank. And until we meet again, say, say yes, yes to spirit. spirit.